Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grossack. It gives me great pleasure to welcome back to Viewpoints uh, Maria Roberta, who's a psychologist and certified neuropsychotherapist, founder and director um, of Salutogenic Psychology. That's a strength-based practice that moves people in personal and professional spaces toward mental fitness and life health. Welcome again to uh, Viewpoints, Maria Roberto. Well, thank you, Henry. It's really lovely to be back on and what a pleasure to be re-invited to have a further conversation, which I'm really looking forward to. Mm, and in your busy schedule, um, and I know you're up there in Darwin at the moment, um, it's, well, it's, it's great that you've found the time to join us. Now, some people still don't know um, salutogenesis, which is where yes. salutogenetics comes from. What's the, yes. What is the theory of salutogenesis? Well, you know, Henry, it's it's a great theory that was coined in 1978 by a wonderful social researcher by the name of Aaron Antrobosky. And back in the uh, early to mid-70s, he was doing a whole lot of social research work. Now, you've got to go back into that era where psychology and sociology, there was such a focus on deficit and as we still we still tend to do today, we we operate from a medical model where we focus on deficit, we focus on symptoms, that there is a strong focus on on what the symptoms are, with a really strong focus on diagnosis, which all of those things are important because they allow us to be able to understand what we experience, they help us to understand our symptoms. But he posited something that was really interesting and and he said, when we look at recovery and we look at development and growth, development and growth really needs to have a lens that comes from a strengths-based perspective. And so Antrobosky, who was very, very interested in how humans mimic our animal world and also our ecological environment... Mm -hmm. And he said, when we have a look at growth, growth happens under the lens of um, proactive and also protective um, elements. So then he began to ask the question, you know, what if we started to look at developing human assets? And that was his starting point. And so salutogenesis, so salute in Italian means good health. Mm -hmm. So if you pour a glass of wine and you raise it and you go salute, yeah, and you go clink, clink with your glasses. Um, salute means good health. Genesis is the creation. So it's the creation of mm. good health. And so salutogenics, which is the name of our, com- uh, our company and our business, is the verb of, so it's creating, it's consistently creating good health, which means we are, we are as, a, as an organisation, we are preventative practitioners and even though we have qualified psychologists and we operate, operate from that perspective, um, our clinical work is really immersed in the psychology of resilience and well-being. And we take on Antrobosky's theory of salutogenesis, which I encourage people to Google. The theory is, is incredible. Um, but we, we look at people's strengths, their assets, and how we develop those assets prior 
to when we may need them so that we are prepared, better prepared to manage adversities when they come along. Mm. Now, you're also a certified neuropsychotherapist. Uh, right. What does that mean to the layperson who doesn't <laughs> has never come across that term before? Yeah, so I, I fell into this beautiful pool of neuroscience research a number of years ago and realised that the area of brain health really allows us to understand why we experience what we experience. And we, you know, we, we are given an, an insight into the neuromechanics of health. So it, it, neuropsychotherapy is, is an approach that I am strongly aligned to where we, where we bring the education of neuroscience into a therapeutic space and we also include interventions that not only respond to the symptoms of, say, anxiety or depression or mood disorder, but we arm people with an understanding that what their symptoms are are a result of some of the changes that occur in our nervous systems, that occur in our brain sites, and when we understand what those targeted areas are within our um, within our brains, that we actually have a much better understanding, and 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 we welcome much more compassion into our lives as to why we are in those states. And once you have an understanding of how things work, you know you're better aligned at being able to target and problem solve and give a response that really aligns to our biology. So Henry, in our work, we have, we have a bit of a motto that we work with. And the motto is biology before behavior. And, and the motto is very much about when we understand and respect our biology and how it operates and how it works for us, we, we are much better placed to then understand our behavior which means we are better placed at being able to problem solve and also offer interventions that are better aligned with what our biology needs so that our behaviours become more functional, better adaptive, that they are, we have better coping. Mm, that, uh, that makes good sense. Now, um, there's a lot of people in your field who, who stay in the domain of the, the clinical work, working one-on-one -on -one yep. with people. You've moved yep. uh, as well to incorporate presentations, seminars, workshops, uh, and you speak to, to large groups of people. Um, that's an interesting step in, in, in your career, Maria. What led to that? Oh, that's a great question, Henry. Um, for a long time, I was working with the Department of Education when I first started, um, working with, uh, as a, sorry, as, as a, as a um, psychologist in schools. Mm. So we were working with guidance officers and, you know, working clinically, and I was doing that for a while, but I very quickly realised that my interest was in developing programs and training in the area of mental fitness so I was given some wonderful opportunities within the department working with some fantastic people within the Western region, you know, mm. principals like Terry Lawless and yep. um, Kath Kennedy who used to be in the region and, you know, a number of other people, um, uh, Judy Baker who I think is still in yes. there, she's, she's, you know, she's doing the work around um, uh, disabilities and 
So, you know, I had I had the privilege of being able to work with incredible senior psychologists like Jan Hibbert and Anthea Reese, and they, and Richarda, and uh, they were incredible people. But I realised that I enjoyed the delivery of information and also being able to, I guess, disseminate current research. Mm. So, so what we did, so, you know, this year's my 30th year in this trade. And so I took a sabbatical this year and my PA and myself turned the business around and said, well, the one-on-one work is very important and I know that and I've been doing that for a long time. But what if we were to take all of the information that we know and use the latest research around brain health and mental fitness and what if we place that into training programs and offered it liberally and widely to educationalists, to corporates, so that we were able to create this sort of paradigm shift in enabling people to understand what salutogenesis is. Mm. And what if we were to build human assets so that they became so strong that they inoculated us against the developing symptoms of mental ill health. So that's that's our mission. And we thought, oh look, one year and that should be enough. But you know, <laughs> we got it we got a year in and we rolled up our sleeves and said, oh this needs so much more time. Mm. And uh, as as the field uh, new research emerges, I think uh, it will keep on going. And we've had the privilege, I know, at uh, Berwick Lodge of uh, of the wonderful work that you've shared with us. Now you've got some training programs still coming up uh, for the end of the year, um, and there's uh, fascinating little subtitles in there: six domains of resilience, um, <laughs> a better version of be, have a, the best version of yourself, and lead a better mm-hmm. quality of life. Learn. Uh, the framework around uh, the conversations of care. That's one I want to f- follow up with you too and uh, anchoring before conversations. So there's quite a bit in there. You might like to start somewhere in there of your own choice. What is it that you're presenting and why? Yes, that's a great question. We're presenting a program which is a certified program called Resilience First Aid. So we call it RFA. It's mm-hmm. a little bit like it's a little bit like Kentucky Fried Chicken, and we call it KFC. <laughs> Good one. Yeah, there are some great takeaways. So <laughs> resilience. So resilience first aid um, is a is a uh, now it's become a nationally certified training program because it is a premium program, and I say that because it is heavily researched based. It has a measurement tool to measure people's levels of resilience and we teach the six domains of of what resilience is based on neuroscience not just behavioral science and what that does is that it it allows us to train people in the neuromechanics of well-being and what it also does is it invites us to look at some of the main uh, core elements of what enables us and we, we do that through the two days. We also have this um, protocol that we've developed called the ALL protocol, A-double-L. And the ALL protocol stands for appreciate, listen and lift. And we train people in conversations of care using that protocol. And the reason why 
we have developed that is because neuroscience tells us that the way that we build our assets is via connections with other people. And you know, Henry, mm. it's, it's, it's not something that we don't know, but when we connect with others and others present in positive, optimistic ways, it tends to lift us. But when we connect with people who have a negativity bias or, you know, if they are flat or if they perhaps don't understand how much influence their presence has on another person and if there is sort of a lack of awareness around just how much our own well-being impacts somebody else. So the All Protocol teaches the neuroscience of each stage of conversation and it also provides language around how to engage people in conversations of well-being. And what are some of the inquiry questions and also some of the statements that are really useful when we are bringing people in to our space and holding them in care as we have conversations that enable people to reflect and think and, and also engage much better in their own investment of self. Mm, it's it's a good point. I'm always uh, the the conversations of care. It's a, it's an interesting term. I hadn't come across mm. that before. Um, mm. Clearly, there are conversations we have that are not of care. If there can be conversations of care, what would be a conversation that um, was devoid of care? How would that yeah, sort that, of run? That's, that's such a good question. So, a conversation that is not a conversation of care. So, a conversation of uncare. I don't know yes. whether that's a word. I don't. Um, or non-care, is, one of the other. Or non-care, or yeah, conversation of non-care, um, is where I will come in and have a conversation with you, Henry, but I'm more interested in what I want to tell you about me, mm. what I want to tell you about what I need from you, what I want to tell you how you should do things. When I come in and have conversations with you that are just autocratic, that don't, that, that my conversations with you don't have any space for you where you're not acknowledged, you're not seen for what it is that you're trying to do. I'm just interested in what I want from you or what I need for you to do. And what that does is that it really makes you invisible as a human. And it doesn't take into account that you're coming in with your own ideas, your own needs, your own your own wants. And also that there are things that you can bring to the table that if I don't make space for that, I actually miss out on what your capacities may be. A conversation of care is where I stop and I inquire about you, where I ask how you are, but I also ask about some of the things you've been thinking about, what's important to you, because when I get to know you through conversations of care and then I open up a space where you can be heard, you can be seen, you can be valued, suddenly your feeling of being seen and respected means we're creating a sense of safety between us. And we know that neurologically, when somebody feels safe with you, suddenly they are far more ready to share resources and not just be... Um, compliant to what it is that I might want from you. But when I turn my back as a manager, I know that I'm not just going to have your compliance, I'm also going to have your commitment. Because suddenly, these conversations are ones that 
are really respectful. And, you know, these are the, the, the area of training in resilience first aid really looks at psychological safety. Uh, it looks at the new um, positive duty that comes with uh, WorkSafe at the moment where we need to identify and reduce the psychological hazards in the workplace. So they sort of tick a number of boxes as to how we develop compassionate conversations, but ones that are productive and, and, that, are, and that really raise the culture of well-being. Mm. It almost sounds like in part an antidote to narcissism. Oh, yeah, yes. Well, it's yeah, it is the absolute opposite, polar opposite. In fact, yes, you're mm, correct. Mm, fascinating. Now, time's on the wing. Um, we're reading a lot uh, in conclusion about the uh, residual uh, negative impacts of COVID, uh, yeah. remote learning, lockdowns on people's health and well-being. What are you finding out there in your in your travels among the people? Yeah, what we are finding is that there is this sort of platform that we're working on where there is a long mind COVID. So the long COVID is what people, some people are experiencing as sort of physical um, symptoms around, you know, heavy fatigue, foggy brain, not being able to really reconnect with work where their body just feels like they're really lagging. But the long mind COVID that, we're, that we are seeing is that there is huge amounts of states of dysregulation where people are highly intolerant, they're highly sensitised to unpleasant states, that they move into conflict easily, that they are in highly reactive states. But we're also seeing this with our kids too. And it just seems to be that, you know, COVID has... I, I think the confinement of COVID has really reduced our capacity to feel easy and safe toward the outside world. And we're still being very protective. So, you know, what we're finding are that is that levels of anxiety are very high at the moment mm. and that there is a lot of retraining and resetting that needs to happen so that we can bring people back into this space of wellness. It's an interesting point. Now, if people want to get in touch with you about your um, your program, oh, absolutely. So, um, come and come and uh, have a listen and join us. Uh, optimism, having fun, connecting people to really great research, sharing some fantastic narratives around what it's like to be well and and how we can raise spirits, but also raise capacities. So, you know, building social capital and how we do that by sharing these wonderful spaces of strong connections. So our last sort of pre-Christmas RFA program is on the 11th and 12th in Melbourne, mm -hmm. in the city at a place called Melbourne Quarter, which is a fantastic new space where there's natural light and it's funky and, um, you know, it is very modern yep. and it really aligns with mental health. So come on to Salutogenics website, come and visit us, come and log in. Come and register, you know, the, sort of the last turning point. You can accrue hours. But more importantly, you walk away with some fabulous resources but such a deep knowledge of well-being before Christmas and probably something that can help you prepare for 2024. Sounds, that sounds great. Maria, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure um, chatting with you and informative as well. And uh, yes, people can log into that. And I'm sure we'll all end up having a great Christmas.
Yes, I hope so. And Henry, what a pleasure to speak with you. And thank you so much for the invitation because it's always a, a delight when we connect and chat the way we do. Mm, wish I was up there in Darwin with you. I didn't get the oh, invite, it's though. very hot. <laughs> it is hot up here, hot and humid. <laughs> but it's a beautiful, beautiful place, too. It is. That was Maria Roberto, psychologist and certified neuropsychotherapist, founder and director of uh, Salutogenic Psychology.